Hi, I'm Stephen Apt, and here at Divine Savior Church, we believe that the message of Jesus truly changes lives. And so it's my prayer that as you listen to this message, that it does change your heart, uh, that it brings you peace and hope once again today. After you listen to it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and liking, uh, we'd be grateful for that so that more people can hear the message of Jesus. Thank you. Well, this morning we continue in our series called Scandal. Uh, as we uh, continue walking to the cross of Jesus, we are walking through this, the greatest scandal that has ever taken place, the killing of Jesus of Nazareth. A scandal is something that is bad, done by people whom we least expect it to be done by. There are evil things done by people whom we least expect it to be done by, and that's what we see in the scandal of, of the killing of Jesus. We have seen how the Jewish leaders who, who were in charge and in the spiritual life of the people plotted to take Jesus' life. We've seen how Judas, one of Jesus' closest friends, sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. We've seen how these two groups, Judas and the Jewish religious leaders, worked together in the cover of darkness as if they would get away with it because people didn't know what was happening. Last week we saw Jesus on trial, and the only evidence that the people could bring against Jesus were made-up charges. False accusations of what Jesus supposedly had done, and yet he didn't do anything. Today, we get to the verdict, the decision. It's time for the judge, Pontius Pilate, to bring his verdict on Jesus. And what do we hope to see? I think like any court case, what we want is fair. We want justice. If Jesus is guilty, condemn him. If he's not, let him go free. We want fair. And I think that's what we want in a lot of aspects of our life. We want fairness. If your coworker gets to do something, it's only fair you get to do it. If your sibling gets a gift, it's only fair you get a gift. We want fairness. We want justice. And so as we hear Pilate's verdict today, we want fair as well. We want justice to prevail. Or do we? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that in 25 minutes, your answers to that question is going to be no. We don't want fair. Let's look at Matthew chapter 27. Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. Last week we saw how he entertained the accusations from the people, and he said multiple times, I find no basis for a charge against this man. Now we look as, a, as the trial continues and Pilate's verdict comes in. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, that's Pontius, Pontius Pilate, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd, at that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, 
Which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of selfish interest that they handed Jesus over to him. Let's stop right there. You, you can kind of picture the scene, can't you, where, where Pilate's up on the steps to the palace with Jesus bound, beaten because the Jewish people had already beaten Jesus, and the Jewish crowd's on the ground, vehemently accusing Jesus, and Pilate realizes this man is innocent. There's no reason to charge him with anything, and yet Pilate doesn't want to make the decision. Uh, he is trying to appease a lot of people. He's trying to appease the Jewish crowd because he knows that the Jewish crowd can start an uproar, which is going to make, in a riot, which is going to make the Roman government look at Pontius Pilate and say, what's going on? How come you're not ruling in the area and keeping uh, the peace? And so he's trying to appease the Romans, he's try- or Jews, he's trying to appease the Romans, and he's trying to carry out the law and let the innocent man go free, but he doesn't want to just make the decision. And so Pilate says, you know what? I have this custom. I release a prisoner of your choosing, Jewish people, at the Passover. Because as, as a Jew, in living in the Roman Empire, you had no rights. And so they could keep you locked up for as long as possible. As long as they wanted. And, and so this custom came about where they released a prisoner of the people's choosing. And so Pilate says, I've got the perfect one. Barabbas. They're never going to vote for this guy. From other parts of Scripture, we hear that Barabbas is a murderer and he's an insurrectionist. In other words, he's tried to overthrow the Roman governor or Roman government and he's murdered a whole bunch of people. The irony is if you remember back to last week, what did, what did the people falsely accuse Jesus of? Trying to subvert the Roman government trying to overthrow the Roman government, and here is Barabbas, who has done that very thing, found guilty, he's in jail, and uh, Pilate brings him out and says, you choose which one. And he thinks to himself, there's no way they're going to choose Barabbas, because they are just as happy as I am that he is in prison. And so he gives them the moment to decide which one they want. It's during that moment as the, the people are talking that this happens. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and have Jesus executed. You wonder if Pilate's starting to realize he's maybe in over his head here. Uh, now he's got the Roman government to appease. He's got the Jewish people to appease. He has to carry out the law. And now his wife sends message, leave that man alone. So now his wife's involved too, and he's got to appease her and all these balls he's trying to juggle, and yet he doesn't want to make the decision. He could have decided last week already that we looked at, this man is innocent, he goes free. He didn't do it. He sent him to Herod. Now he's back before Pilate, and he once again says, this man has done nothing wrong, but I'm going to let you, Jewish people, decide. But unfortunately, the crowd has worked together to ask for Barabbas. And so Pilate comes back after reconvening, and here's what we're told. 
Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, His blood is on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. To Pontius Pilate's surprise, the people asked for Barabbas. And so, okay, if I'm going to release Barabbas to you, what do you want me to do with Jesus then? Again, you're the judge. You get to decide. And he's letting the people dictate this court case. And the people all cry, crucify him. And Pilate says, why? What crime has he committed? And Pilate just indicted himself. Because he knows that Jesus is innocent. He doesn't deserve crucifixion, which was execution for the worst of the worst criminals, and yet now an uproar starting. The exact thing that he's been trying to avoid, an uproar starting, and so what does he do? He brings out water and washes his hands clean and say, says, I'm innocent of this man's blood, as if that could possibly be true. Pilate, you had all the opportunity to do what was fair and what was just, except he condemned the innocent and he let the guilty go free. And that's unfair. And it's your first point today. Pilate condemned the innocent and let the guilty walk free. And letting the guilty walk is unfair. Many of you know this account. Maybe some of you are hearing it for the first time. Maybe, maybe you knew that Jesus died on the cross, but you weren't sure of the events that led up to it. So whether you're hearing it for the first time or if you know this account very well, Think about it as you're hearing it for the first time. Think of how shocking this is. The, the court system that's supposed to carry out justice, that's supposed to be fair and just, failed. How did Jesus end up at the cross? Because the system put in place to maintain fairness and justice was corrupt and failed. It, it's accounts like these that make our blood boil. It, it makes us angry. When those people who are in place to carry out justice and fairness in the land end up being corrupt and they're unfair and they're unjust. And I know that many of you can relate because I've talked to you. I know that some of you are waiting for justice and it's not happening. I know that others of you have been treated unfairly by the system that's supposed to be in place to carry out the laws and carry out fairness in this country, they've treated you unfairly. And that's what Jesus experienced to go to the cross. Unfairness and injustice. And yet, let me ask you this. What would you have decided? If you were Pilate, what would have been your decision? It's an easy one, right? 
Barabbas, you're dead. Jesus, you're free. Barabbas, you're going to the cross. Jesus, you're walking out of here. But let me ask you this. What if the person changed? What if it wasn't Barabbas? What if it was a relative of yours? Brother, sister, son, or daughter. And yes, they were guilty, but now you have the power to choose to let them walk. Or what about this one? What if it was you or Jesus? Then what would you decide? Would you condemn yourself and go to the cross? Or would you walk free and condemn Jesus? You may be sitting there thinking, well, this, is, this was a great imagination game, a hypothetical, but we aren't Barabbas. Uh, Barabbas was guilty. He murdered. Uh, he was an insurrectionist. He deserved to die. We haven't done that. And yet while Pilate's trial is going on, while Pilate's court is in session, there's another court in session, and it's God's session. Where Jesus is standing there, and so are you. And God has a decision to make. Is it going to be you? Or is it going to be Jesus? Who's going to be condemned? And who's going to be let go? It still seems a little different, doesn't it? Because Barabbas is a really bad guy. We haven't murdered anyone. We didn't try to overthrow the government. Uh, This is still a little different. And yet, do you know what we're so good at? maximizing someone else's sins and minimizing our own. Maximizing someone else's sins and minimizing our own. Do you know what sin is? All sin is an insurrection against God. God tells us, do this, don't do that. And when we sin, we tell God, no thanks, I want to do this and I want to do that, but I don't want to do what you tell me. Imagine for a second, uh, let's imagine for a second you go on a trip, month-long trip, and you say, hey, Stephen, I'd love for you to watch my house and watch over my things. You're a pastor. You've got to be trustworthy. Uh, it'd be great if you could watch over things. And I say, yeah, sure, no problem. And then I move into your house while you're gone. I move in. I go out to your mailbox and I erase your name. I put my name. Uh, I find your notebook filled with all your account information and I go into all your accounts and I change your names and put my names on them. Uh, I invite my friends over because Mikasa is Sukasa, my friends. And so come on over. Uh, They sleep in your bed. Uh, I plop my dirty feet on your coffee table and I I text you and say, hey, uh, don't bother coming back because this is all mine now. Do you think you'd be a little upset with me? (laughs) Maybe a lot. (laughs) Imagine how God feels. As the psalm says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Your money is God's money. Your possessions, God's possessions. Your body, God's body. For you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body, 1 Corinthians says. 
everything in this world belongs to God, and God has simply put us as caretakers of his stuff. And every time we sin, we say, God, I know you've told me how to be the best caretaker of your things, but I'm the one in control. I know you told me to love and honor other people, but they hurt me. And so I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I'm going to be bitter towards them. I'm going to hate them. Which, God said, which Jesus says is just as bad as murder. We know that we're supposed to be good caretakers of the things you've given us, but it's my possessions. I'm going to use it how I want. God, you tell us that our bodies belong to you, but I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to feel that way. I want to think that way. I don't want to listen to you. And so God, if you're going to come back, know your rightful place. I am in control, and you can be my right-hand man. Sin is an insurrection against the throne of God because we say to God, I don't want to listen to you. I want to listen to myself. And no matter who you are, you have this little insurrectionist in your heart, and it starts at a very young age. The other day, uh, Anne wanted... uh, took a break and she went to our bedroom, closed the door. She just needed a minute to just sit and relax. And so we, we were eating lunch and Lily walked over to the door, not even five minutes after Ann was in there. And I said, Lily, let mom take a break. And she looked at me and said, I don't want to listen to you. I want to listen to myself. <laughs> Do you know the difference between a four-year-old and an adult? An adult knows it's not socially acceptable to say things like that. (laughs) But it's in our hearts, isn't it? I want to listen to myself, not to you, God. I want to be the sole authority. And that's insurrection. Trying to overthrow overthrow the throne of God. And so how are you trying to do it? As you look at your life, Where aren't you submitting to God? Where are you trying to overthrow him because you are the authority in your life? Because you don't like what he has to say. Maybe a better question, what do we deserve for our insurrection? Well, what did Satan deserve? What did Satan get? We're told that after after creation, uh, sometime before between the creation of the world and Adam and Eve falling into sin, that there was a, an uprising in heaven as Satan tried to overthrow the throne of God. And what did Satan get? He got cast out of heaven, cast out of the kingdom of God, and separated from God. That's hell. And so what do insurrectionists deserve in God's kingdom? To be thrown out. To be condemned. That's deserving. That's fair. And all of a sudden we look and we say, you know what? Maybe I don't want fairness. Because God, if if you carry out fairness in your court, what do I deserve to be cast out? And now we look at Pilate's case and we say, huh, maybe I don't want fairness there because it led Jesus to the cross. Praise God. He doesn't treat us fairly. He doesn't treat us with the justice that our sins deserve. Instead, God condemned the innocent 
and let the guilty walk free, and that's called grace. And that's your next point. As Pilate unjustly and unfairly condemned the innocent one, Jesus, it also took place in God's court where he condemned the innocent son of God, Jesus, and Jesus went to the cross. But more than that, when he went to the cross, what did he endure? Hell itself, as he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The punishment that we deserved was on him, and by his wounds we have been healed, as Isaiah 53 said. God condemned Jesus to let you and I walk free. It's an amazing trade that happened on, that, on those steps of Pontius Pilate's palace. Jesus took your sin and gave you his righteousness. Just like I said at, at, at the children's devotion, uh, I used to be a huge uh, lunch trader. <laughs> and Jesus traded with you and me. He said, here, take my righteousness, take my perfection, take my innocence, and I will in turn take your sin, all of it. Give me your sins of insurrection. Give me your sins of hatred. Give me your sins of bitterness. Give me your sins of lack of submission. I will take it all so that you can go free. And God condemned him so that you and I can walk in the freedom of forgiveness, the freedom from guilt, the freedom from shame. And one day, you and I will walk freely into the gates of heaven because of Jesus. Why would God do this? <laughs> to you and me, it's unfair. I mean, we're thankful, but it's unfair. Why would God do this? Why would Jesus endure it? Jesus knew what was going to happen. Why did he stand there and let it happen? For the joy set before him endured the cross. For the joy of having eternal life with you. Why did God the Father do it? For God so loved the world. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. Stop and think about that for a second. How many of you would condemn your son or daughter knowing full well they were innocent so that the person who was guilty could walk free? None of us. And yet God did it for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he wants to spend eternal life with you. That's incredible love. Incredible grace. And so how do we respond to this? We're not told uh, what Barabbas did as he left. It'd be interesting to, uh, one day to know exactly what, how Barabbas' life turned out. There are kind of three ways that it could have. Number one, Barabbas could have scorned all of this. He could have in his pride said, I didn't deserve to be in there anyways. And go on and keep living the sinful lifestyle he was living. Number two, he could be filled with guilt and shame, knowing that the innocent one was condemned so that he could go free and, and he wouldn't enjoy the freedom that he was given. Or number three, maybe he lived in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving thankful that he had a second chance, that he had the gift of freedom and he was going to make the most of it, living out of thanks for the freedom given to him. That's the one we want. As we leave here today, 
knowing that Jesus, the innocent one, was condemned, that we could walk free. We want to live in thanksgiving for the one who has given us the gift of freedom, the gift of grace. And so what's it look like for you? Maybe you want to appreciate this gift of freedom more. And so every morning you're going to wake up and before you start your day, you're going to spend time in confession. I'm going to confess my sins to God, specific sins, and that I should be guilty and that I should be condemned. But Lord, Father, Jesus took my place. I'm so thankful for the forgiveness that you have given to me. Maybe you want to go and share this news. Imagine Barabbas about to die, looking out of his jail cell at, at Golgotha, at Calvary, knowing that there he's going to die on the cross. But now he all of a sudden has freedom. I would think that you'd want to go and tell your family about this gift of freedom, that I was set free because this innocent man was condemned in my place. Maybe that's what we want to do. Or maybe number three, maybe we want to use this gift of freedom and examine the places of our life where we haven't been submitting to God, where we've been insurrectionists, and submit to him. Because look at the love he has for us. Look at the grace that he has for you and me, that he would condemn the innocent one, that we may go free. If he loves us that much, he must have our best interest at heart. And so let's go and live under his rule because he loves us and cares for us. Whatever it is, whatever it is for you, think through how can you live in thanksgiving for the gift of freedom that our God has given to you and to me. Max Lucado has a book called Grace, and in chapter 3, he says this amazing line. Precious as it is to proclaim Christ died for the world, even sweeter is to whisper Christ died for me. As we proclaim Christ died for the world, it will touch our hearts. But do you know what brings change in our hearts? Is to whisper, Christ died for me. That's grace. It's unfair. But it's exactly what we want, and it's exactly what we need, and it's exactly what our God has for you. Let's go live in this freedom out of thanksgiving for what he's done for us. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, uh, what a joy it is to be able to say that you're gracious and that you're our Father. And that's exactly what you are because Jesus took our place. Uh, he was our substitute. He, the innocent one was condemned in our place so that we, the guilty ones, could walk free. Uh, it's not fair, but it's grace. And it's that exact grace that we want and need every day of our life. Let this grace touch our hearts bring transformation uh, as we go and live out of thanksgiving for what you have so uh, lovingly done for us. Uh, let the world see our lives of thanksgiving so we can tell them why we're living it. It's because we were condemned, but now we're innocent, and we get to walk free in the grace that is uh, the forgiveness of sins through our Savior Jesus. Uh, continue to be with us. Continue to help us to live this message, spread this message, trust this message uh, as we go out into the world. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior, Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.